Good morning. Okay. You are not only singing the three hymns this morning, you are also providing the prelude, the offertory music, the uh, let's see, music meditation, and the postlude. So I would like you to all stand up, and we will get started with the very first song in here on the front of the blue pages as is done probably in every church across the nation today. <laughs> Santa Claus is coming to town.
Good morning. Welcome to the First Universalist Unitarian Church. My name is Jim Moss, and I'm a member of this congregation. I want to extend a special welcome to any visitors joining us this morning. Do we have any visitors? Yeah, we've got a few. Uh, since 1858, UU Wasa served as a vital voice for liberal religion in central Wisconsin. We are an intentionally free society that welcomes all people just as you are, regardless of age, sexual orientation, ethnicity, or economic situation. Wherever you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Between Sundays, we'd love to have you at one of our classes or events, so be sure to subscribe to the church's newsletter and follow us on Facebook or Instagram for updates. We have a few announcements. Today after the service, there will be a listening session with the board in Yawkey Hall. Who likes cookies? Can we have a, a sign? What's, who likes cookies? Yeah. All right. Please join us after the Christmas Eve candlelight service for a cookie reception. We'd love for everyone who attends to bring a dozen cookies to share with other members. A special thank you in advance to Sarah and Tom Eberlein, Carl and Barbara Drake, Tim and Karen Peterson for helping during the cookie reception. If you've donated for one or more poinsettias memorials, please be sure to take your plants home with you after the Christmas Eve candlelight service. This year, the service is scheduled for December 24th at 7 p.m. By taking your plants home, you'll be able to enjoy them for the rest of the holiday season and beyond. Not only will they serve as a lovely reminder of your loved ones, but they'll also brighten up your home with festive cheer. With that, let us rise and greet our neighbors. If you would, please join me in the chalice lighting this morning. The words are printed in your service bulletin. I begin. In this holiday season, may we find peace inside ourselves. May we be peace for those around us. And may we focus on the bigger things. Giving, friendship, forgiveness, a fresh start. So that somehow, by magic or miracle, even love, we may be as well. Now rise in spirit or body for opening hymn in the great hymnal 246, the little town of Bethlehem.
be seated. Before I invite you into a spirit of prayer and meditation, I want to first invite you during the meditation portion or during the prayer hymn, you're welcome to come up and light a candle in honor of something that you're joyful about or prayerful about. And now I invite you into that spirit of prayer. I believe prayer requires your whole body. So if your legs are crossed, we'll cross them. If you pray or meditate with your eyes closed, now's a good time to close them. We'll start by focusing our attention on the top of our head. Notice the air stirring. If you still have hair, your hair blowing. And now move your attention downwards into your jaw. Any tension there, let it out. Relax your mouth. And downwards into your shoulders. A deep and full breath into your chest and slow out. Another breath full into your stomach and slow out. And let us pray. O life, we long for a day of singing, of everlasting joy and gladness when sorrow and sighing flee away. And yet we look at the world around us and see that these hopes and prayers too often go unfulfilled. And so we cry out for justice, for peace, and for healing. We hold tenderly in our affection immigrants and migrants who hope for a better life for themselves and their children, but too often find rejection and misery. We pray for the imprisoned, those who hope for a better life when they are released, but too often are barred from work, from homes and families. We lift up those whose lives are marked by poverty and need, for those who are sick or in pain, for those who are broken in spirit or mind. And we pray blessing for those who struggle this time of year. We pray that in their struggle they might come to see the reason for the season as an unfolding, and that all of us might not take ourselves or others any more seriously than is necessary. Now, dear friends, let us call to mind all the joys and sorrows in our lives, and let us meditate on them in silence together now. Amen. Please stay seated for our prayer hymn number 1061 in the Teal Book, or so the children come.
For so the children come, and so they have been coming, always the same way they come, born of the seed of a man and a woman. Angels herald their beginnings, no prophets predict their future courses, no wise men see a star to show where to find the babe that will save mankind, humankind. Each night a child is born is a holy night. Fathers and mothers sitting beside their children's cribs feel glory in the sight of new life beginning. They ask, where and how will this new life end? Or will it ever end? night a child is born is a holy night, a time for singing, a time for wandering, a time for worshiping. The mission and ministry of UUWASA is made possible by the generous support of its friends and members. <clears throat> you may place a gift in the basket as it passes by. You can also stop by our website, uuwasa.org, to make a one-time recurring gift with your credit or debit card. Thank you for your support.
reading I've selected this morning is a poem by Robert Bly entitled A Christmas Poem. And the poet writes, Christmas is a place like Jackson Hole where we all agree to meet once a year. It has water and grass and horses. All the fur traders can come in. We visited the place as children, but we never heard the good stories. Those stories only get told in the big tents late at night when a trapper who has been caught in his own trap held down in icy waters talks. And a man with a ponytail and a limp comes in from the edge of the fire. As children, we knew there was more to it. Why some men got drunk on Christmas Eve wasn't explained. Nor why we were so often near tears, nor why the stars came down so close. Why so much was lost. Those men and women who had died in wars started by others. Did they come that night? Is that why the Christmas tree trembled just before we opened the presents? There was something about angels, angels we have heard on high sweetly singing o'er the plain. The angels were certain, but we cannot be certain whether our family was worthy tonight. Here ends our reading. Join in singing hymn, Do You Hear What I Hear, printed in the Blue Bulletin. Thank you. 
Well, it's very nice to be back with you after a brief hiatus. As some of you may have known, I am a very generous and loving husband, and so I gave my wife COVID last week, and so we were out. I'm also a very loving and doting father, so I gave it to my daughter as well. But we are back at it today. So if you see me with a mask, I am following CDC guidance, because I think that's what you're supposed to do these days. In any case, thanks to the staff, Randy Jefferson, who's stepping into the pulpit for me, literally, uh, at, at last minute. But I have a sermon I wrote yesterday. Hopefully it'll preach. We'll find out. So every year, at least it seems to me, nod your head if this seems the same to you, there's a debate about the real meaning of Christmas. There's the never-ending argument, very often evangelical Christians have, about the need to keep what? Christ in Christmas. The argument goes that there is a traditional religious meaning behind the holiday that must be preserved. And I sympathize with these people. After all, forgive me Unitarians, they're right. (laughs) There would be no Christmas without Christ. And for the record, there would be no UU Wausau either. Have you noticed our window? (laughs) There would be no wonderful building here on the corner of 5th and Grant Streets. There would be no budget to fuss over. There would be no minister to like or dislike or be passive-aggressive with. (laughs) There would be no RE program. There would be no wonderful choir. There would be no beautiful choir director. There would be no names in the membership book like the Yawkeys or the Woodsons or the Jeffersons or the Pratts or the Places and on down the line. The thing about keep Christ in Christmas is that when you really and actually look at the history, you see that the traditional religious meaning behind Christmas in America is, it's not evangelical at all. The people who invented Christmas as we know it here in America with trees and greenery and cookies and wonderful stories and lessons and carols and hymns are who? The Unitarians, gosh dang it, we invented Christmas. (laughs) That's right, you pipsqueaks, we invented Christmas. Christmas as we know it, we invented it. The Unitarians, along with a few Congregationalists and Episcopalians, way back in the 19th century, it's ours. So anyways, now take yourself back in time if you feel like being a bit of a child this morning. Imagine our spiritual ancestors in this country, the Puritans, way more than 200 years ago, back when they didn't celebrate Christmas at all. Our Puritan ancestors, they thought that Christmas was too Catholic. What they said is that the holiday allowed way too much drinking, it allowed way too much partying, and oddly enough in Boston, they said it allowed way too much gun shooting. If any of you have ever been to Boston, just imagine being on the common with a bunch of drunk people and gun shooting. Anyways, but as time went on, more and more immigrants arrived to this country, and the way overly intellectual and dreadfully boring Unitarians and the wonderfully sentimental Congregationalists, they started to notice that on Christmas Day, across the street from their churches in Massachusetts and New York and New Hampshire, lo and behold, there were those German Lutheran immigrants, and they brought all these sweet goodies. Storytelling, Christmas trees, garlands, stockings, jolly old Saint Nick, and best of all what? Hymns and carols. And so here's what happened. Our Unitarian ancestors, boring, dressed in black, cold from a boring church service, they looked across the street and they saw people having fun. They saw people singing loudly with friends and their family and they said, I want to get me some of that. And so they decided to stop being so boring and humorless and grumpy, which is a decision I'll have you know that some of you need to make this year. And they grabbed as much Christmas joy as they could with both fists. Now, that said, if you read the history books as well as I don't, what you'll discover is that 
they also wanted to look way cooler than the Puritan Calvinists, which really isn't that hard to do. We're always cooler. We're always cooler than Presbyterians. I don't care. Our worst Sunday, better. Anyways, they thought that maybe instead of telling people that they need to reflect on their sinful condition every Christmas, we should tell a story about what? About universal love that comes down and spreads throughout the world, and it infects everyone with hope and good cheer. The message was actually so successful that it couldn't be contained. And so there was this guy across the pond back in this country called England by the name of Charles Dickens. Maybe you've heard of him. He heard about these things called Unitarian Christmases, and this is a true story. He left his Anglican church and joined a Unitarian chapel. Dickens, now filled with the gospel of Unitarian Christmas, would soon write this somewhat unknown story called A Christmas Carol about a miserly guy by the name of Ebenezer Scrooge who by magic or miracle or both, he discovers the joy of generosity. Now Dickens, he thought that the idea of Unitarian Christmas as this joyful, giving spirit that comes down for all creation to share was just the idea that the world needed. You hear that? It's a global message. An idea that would help us live our best impulses. to become a little less selfish, a little more charitable, a little less judgy, and a little more accepting. Our early Unitarian ancestors believed that by adopting and celebrating Christmas in all its greenery and song and nuance, that people throughout the world, Christian or not, might unite around the universal Christmas messages of second chances and forgiveness and atonement in a more loving world. And so, if you are a fan of this season's music, then you might know that O Holy Night didn't exist in English until the Unitarian anti-slavery advocate John Sullivan Dwight translated it into English in 1855. Or maybe you've heard the hymn, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, the Christmas hymn of the Civil War that was sung by the Union soldiers that tells of God's peace and righteousness. That hymn was penned by the 19th century Unitarian poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And Silent Night, the song that officially says it's Christmas for millions of households around the world, was first translated into English in 1859 by a minister in New York. The Unitarians were so successful that by the year 1870, Christmas would actually become to be recognized as a federal holiday. So if you have Christmas off, ladies and gentlemen, thank a Unitarian. (laughs) Without us, the story of Christmas as we know it, it wouldn't exist. Never would we have our favorite movies of the season, from Miracle on 34th Street to Elf. We also wouldn't have Christmas trees or the annoying habit known as Elf on the Shelf. Have you ever done this? We also wouldn't have Santa Clauses coming to town or a Charlie Brown Christmas. All of it exists because a handful of 19th century Unitarians looked across the street on one cold December day and they saw joy and they heard merriment and they said, we want that and we want you to have it too. So every time an American president has taken to the radio or to the TV to wish Americans peace on earth and goodwill, every time some dead-eyed cashier hands you your change and says, happy holidays, every time a member of this church sends me a pestering email why we celebrate Christmas so much, here's my answer, because we invented it. And why did we invent it? Because it's fun, you stick in the mud. That's why we celebrate it. Because this world needs as many messages of peace and goodwill as possible. We invented it because we wanted something to write songs about. We invented it because at least back then we liked thinking of reasons to get out of our house or to get out from behind our laptops or off our phones or doom-scrolling TikTok or from off of our high horses to hold hands and to sing and to tell stories. We also invented it because every night a child is born, they enter what? A world with pain and a world with sin. 
And if there's any hope for a better tomorrow, it is because people who believe in hope isn't just a four-letter word. They say hope is a moral stance. Now, for the past decade, I've been trying to finish this book by this author named Thomas Mann. The book is called The Magic Mountain, and it's a doorstop. It's very, very complicated, too complicated for me to summarize. But in it, there is this character named Stettembrini, and in it, he says something I want all of you to take note of. Quote, music is moral. Music is moral insofar as it has the power to be both stimulant and narcotic, to wake one up to life or to put one to sleep. I want all of you to know that because it has something to do why the reason why this church will fill with hundreds of strangers on Christmas Eve. Because the songs we sing here this time of year have the power to wake you up to life. They have the power to make your heart grow three times the size. They have the power to help make you tolerate annoying emails and annoying house guests. They actually have the power to make life more lifey. So if you want to know why ministers like me and churches like ours make so much of Christmas and its hymns and carols and readings and candles and trees, it's because I think hymn sing Sundays like this one and candlelight services have the power to rouse us from sleep and wake us to life. And not just life, but the lifiest life. We celebrate Christmas and sing songs because it's too easy to become our own personal version of Ebenezer Scrooge, and we should try and avoid that if we can. We sing songs every year because peace and goodwill and love and hope are just about the only things that will ever be worth fighting for. We sing and decorate and cook and spend far too much money because even if we don't believe that God in the form of a baby came down to earth to save humanity, what we do believe is that there are babies that come to humanity every day in need of saving and that those babies might one day grow up to play their own part in humanity's salvation. But also, and perhaps most importantly, the reason why we do this is because it's fun. Who doesn't like the image of a sleeping baby in a manger with cows and angels and lobsters in their head? (laughs) Who doesn't like visions of sugar plums dancing in their mind or mama with her kerchief? We sing because most of us have no idea if this will be the last year that we get to be kissed beneath the mistletoe. We sing because hot chocolate is delicious. We sing because Red Rider BB guns will put your eye out. We sing because somehow Ingrid Bergman is so hot she can even make a nun's outfit look good. Plug for Bells of St. Mary, my favorite Christmas movie. We sing because who doesn't hope to wake up one day in a world overflowed with love and beauty and peace and justice? I do. I know you do. And lest we forget, we sing and we celebrate Christmas because we invented it. And with that, let us rise in spirit or body for our closing hymn, number 254, Sing We Now of Christmas.
If you'll receive this benediction, I invite you to reach out, take the hand of someone nearby. May the truth that sets us free and the hope that never dies and the love that casts out fear lead us forward together until the day spring breaks and all shadows flee away. Please have a seat. Join in singing the postlude. Stand up.